The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. Hi, what's good, everybody? Welcome to another blockbuster edition of The Meter is Running. We are at Fenway Johnny's 96 Brookline Ave in the beautiful shadows of Fenway Park. We're here on a Friday night before the Red Sox take on the Minnesota Twins. And, Sherry, you and I have talked a lot about our guests and who we want on and accumulation. And you, you, you bring somebody up, I bring somebody up. Oftentimes we bicker. And we do? Sometimes. Sometimes we, we bicker, sometimes. but not often. But that's a good thing. Yeah. So I think both of us universally, I, I don't think, I know, universally agreed that Bob Ryan would have to be must. at the top of the list. Yes, it was an absolute must. And especially before a Red Sox game <laughs> on a Friday night in July. Friday night in July, the Twins in and the uh, Red Sox, uh, you know, reeling with this horrible losing streak that they're on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, was, I was there last night and we are I was so a thousand now. percent convinced they're going to win the game. In that ninth inning, so I said Fernando Rodney. I would figure that what happened was he would walk in the tying run, and Mookie would hit the ball off the wall and win the game. That's what I expected to happen. Yep. I, when he went three and zero on Jackie, I thought, okay, he'll walk Jackie, and then Mookie will take care of business. And uh, I'll give Rodney credit; he got the borderline call on three and one, and he fogged one in ninety-seven. He did. And it's not like the first strike out of Jackie's career. We can't be shocked that that happened. No. <laughs> he's a maddening hitter. But he's been on yes. a really good roll of late. We know, but but that was. But you know what I'm thinking? I'm, I'm standing here with the crowd. I was, I'm in my seat in section 19, and I'm, and I'm thinking That's right something. That's behind home plate, right? Yeah, right. And I'm thinking something I think often. What do people who don't like sports do for fun? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, what what replicates this? I I like the theater. I like music. I like film. I like the read. I like uh, the eat. But this is different. It is. And different. when you don't have this in your life, that that ninth inning, that place was rocking. It was during that ninth inning. And what, I don't. And how people can dismiss this from their life eludes yeah, me. I was at the Toronto game a couple weeks ago. Mookie's 13 pitch oh, back. I was, yeah, yeah. That was one of the top five Red Sox games I have ever That's seen. Great. I was there for just the, because uh, of that at best. I was there for the uh, Bogarts walk off Granny. Oh, that was you know, great. Cause I, yep. I, where I said I have a great view, and I'm thinking, well, the game's over because you knew it was going to bring home the run. Of course. And then wait a minute, it's still going. And then <laughs> next thing you know, it landed right un- underneath the flagpole. It is a special team. I, you know, I think like most Red Sox fans, we are s- skeptical on some things. Uh, it's, it lends itself where, to that. Well, th- they have flaws. They're, they they're not perfect. We know the bullpen. Last night, the bullpen was Exhibit A. Why they lost the game. What a nice performance by Johnson, by the way, last night. He tied 14 guys in a row at that one point. He, he looked great. He, he kept his pitch count down. Um, too bad they couldn't give him another inning, but I understand why they didn't. I, I have no complaints with the way Alex Coro handled the game. The guys let him down. He did the right thing, and it didn't work out. But anyway, they have flaws, and we know that. And uh, uh, But uh, I'll, I'll take plus 39 in the win, in the win so, loss. So here's the thing, Shira, with Bob Ryan. You don't know where to start. <laughs> I was going to say, we get, and you know, I know we're going to bounce around. You say walking encyclopedia. Protein. I mean, but we talk about being a little bit cynical, a little bit skeptical. Is this a huge disappointment if this is not a, a World Series winning team? Not for me. I, I know it will be. The people here have gotten predictably a bit spoiled with three championships in the, in the 21st century. And then the, the fact that uh, the last couple of years have been playoff disappointments uh, that, since they've gotten in and they haven't won a playoff series since, since 13. All right, I understand all that. But I'm not greedy. I like the whole... I like, I'm a season ticket holder since 1991. I like being able to go with the idea that we're going to see a good game, and legitimately you do. And and I know the vagaries of it all. I mean, I think, I think I'm well aware enough, and I do recognize their vulnerability. And that, uh, uh, to me, you want the truth? I think, I don't care about the Red Sox record. I don't care about the Yankees record. I still fear Houston the most. And by the way, don't sleep on Cleveland once they get to the playoffs. Don't sleep on them. So... Uh, but I'm always looking for, you know, uh, I'm, I'm saying I'm a pessimist, but I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm a realist. <laughs> no, that's a good so, way so to put it. So you're a realist, but what's your, what's your prediction then? What, 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 do you, what do you see? What's well, your crystal ball telling uh, you? A crystal ball? Uh, yeah, I don't think Houston's going to repeat. Uh, I, 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 I worry about the Yankees because they're not done yet. I know they oh, lost. Oh, you have Judge now. They just lost Judge, and, and broken, we don't know how long that's going to be. Right? They'll just go out and get a hit. We don't know how long that's going to be. And Sanchez, who is a plus-minus variable, is out. 
uh, they, but, but they bolstered their pitching staff. I don't know. I don't want. I don't have a prediction. I just want to let it play out. It's a out. tough I'm year sorry. to call. It is. I agree with you on that. I, I do agree that Houston is. I still think very dangerous, even though they don't have a bullpen, and the fact they didn't get Zach Britton killed them. That was that would have been something if they did. Um, I wish rather that they did, and the Yankees obviously, from our standpoint of view, but they needed something and they didn't get it. When they have to send the guy with their erstwhile closer out, Ken Giles exiled. See you later, Siberia. Yeah, where's he? Frisco or yeah, Round Rock? I mean, really, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, wow. You know, they, they have a real hole there, and that, that could it's be their ultimate hole. undoing. It's I, a big I, hole. But baseball in general, Sharon and I spoke with Larry Lucchino in your seat a couple weeks ago here at Fenway Johnny's, and we went through the problems surrounding the game. The drop in attendance, the yeah, trouble getting right. youth interested, the, the, the issues with pace of play. Yeah, do you share the same assessment that Sharon and I do on some levels that this game is troubled now? I worry because uh, the, the demographic skews very old and, and white and, and silver-haired. Uh, the... Um, uh, the youth of America uh, have a different uh, uh, wiring. You know, the, uh, this game doesn't uh, have the, the juice that uh, other games have. Uh, not only that, it's the threat. You know what worries me the most? It's not just baseball. It's spectator sport as we know it. Look at this E, this e game thing. Mm. Scholarships? <laughs> They're doing I mean, drafts? No, I mean, the Celtics but, drafted their team. Yeah, I mean, but, it's but, like, but, yeah. but that's... We have to deal with it. That's what this appeals to a new generation. Is it just a fad? All right, I'm going to get. I don't no. want to get. Stop me when I get too <laughs> philosophical in the next five seconds. I have third point. <laughs> okay. People forget history. They don't even know history or care about history. This country isn't that old. True. Okay. So organized sport as we know it basically dates from the roughly the 1860s. Okay, in America. Yep. Organized team sport. Baseball had a, a, a first league that worked in night starting in 1871 guess who dominated boston okay national league goes back to 1876 point being taste change go back we only we only have to go back to 1960 at 1960 there was no question the three most important sports in america were baseball boxing and horse racing yep. in some baseball was one and then the other two were fighting for two three well where are the other two right now okay uh football was nowhere look where football equipment um but if, if who's to say that in 2050 that these now millennials who will then be middle-aged are going to be interested in sports as we know it. There's no guarantee. No, they're, they're no interested guarantee. in screens. Now, baseball yeah. is quite vulnerable due to the speed thing. Football's got to worry about the concussion thing. I've been saying for 20 years, or 15 anyway, the mothers of America could shut football down tomorrow by, by cutting off the talent supply. Uh, so, I... You know, look at the way boxing's been supplanted by, by uh, uh, yeah, mixed martial arts and UFC and all that. Um, there's no guarantees of any of this stuff, but I do worry about baseball, back to the original question, because the pace of game is awful. We had that terrible one nothing, three-hour and 31-minute game. I, I, that was disgraceful. It was awful. It's awful. I don't know how you can... And I can't watch a whole game. No one likes baseball more than me, or you, for that matter. Yeah. I tough. have trouble I mean, finding my, watching I'm, a whole game. Yeah, I but brought it, my three nephews, you know, uh, four, seven, and nine to a game a couple weeks back. And by the fifth inning, they were toast. Yeah. Oh, you know, five, I mean, that's good. You know, and it was just... Yeah, for we a were, young we kid? were doing laps around the concourse finding, you know, different <laughs> ice cream stands and different frozen lemonade stands. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's tough. And it you know what tough. the problem is, ultimately? The people who run it don't care. They don't care. They're happy with a four-hour, nine-inning game. They're, they don't care. They don't get our but concern. That's, that's pathetic, though, because well, the game's going. Someone's got to make them care, whether it's Rob Manfred or the... But they don't care. And, well, they, they don't they care because the bottom line is still prosperous. Up. That's yeah. why. But well, what about, you know, but Manfred did have the initiative where he put some, some millions, I don't know if it was 10, 12 million, into youth baseball initiatives who don't have any faith in any of that coming to fruition and sort of educating a younger generation and making them more aware of the sport and more interested in the sport? Well, I mean, I... I, I mean, because that's kind of where I think it has to start. You have to get these kids playing. I mean, study after study shows that fan interest develops best when you play the game oh, as sure. a young kid. Well, I mean, but there's more competition now. I, I'll give an example. The biggest threat to baseball is lacrosse because it's a spring sport is essentially... I, I, I was in um, Long Island a couple, because you know, that is a hotbed of lacrosse, and maybe not a good example. But I was in Long Island a couple of weeks ago, and on a Saturday morning, I was driving. I was going to a funeral, regrettably, and I was driving to the church, and I passed a giant field where there were literally a thousand kids playing lacrosse, playing lacrosse yeah. with the parent, and there were tents set up and, and you know, concession stands and all. On the, and whereas 40, 50, 70 years ago, they all they would, if they were playing anything, they would have been playing baseball. Would have been. They're playing lacrosse. Yeah. Now I'm not. 
I, I'm not going to sit here and de denounce it. I, it's the one sport I don't enjoy, but that doesn't make it a bad thing. I don't happen to enjoy it. But it, it's a threat. And I look, I live in a lacrosse town. I live in Hingham. That's a lacrosse town. There's a lot of lacrosse towns. I, say, I, and I don't damn know good a baseball town, but I know a lot of lacrosse towns. And they're damn around. good at it. Yeah, and, they are. And, and uh, my, my grandchildren live in uh, Long Meadow. That's a lacrosse that's a town. Lacrosse town yeah. and, and they're damn good at it. So uh, that's that's a big, as big a threat to baseball as anything. It what, is. what about the sports betting and the legalization oh. of sports betting? I mean, do you think there is a way to increase fan interest using that, you know, getting fans more familiar with teams? Because it has been shown, particularly in Vegas. I mean, they've seen it with mm -hmm. the, the Golden Knights. They're seeing it with the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA. That when you can bet on teams, it drives interest not just to those teams that are local, but to the entire league and raises awareness. Do you well, think the that there's something there? All right, I'm maybe the wrong one to ask because <laughs> I, I don't have the betting gene, but... I don't have the betting gene but, either, but... The baseball <laughs> is not a great betting sport. Shocker. You, know, you bet, you know, uh, uh, you know, you bet on a, on a half a run, you know. It, uh, uh, betting is not a good... You know, football's a perfect football's betting sport. Basketball's a perfect betting yeah. sport. Baseball and hockey are not good betting sports. Correct. In baseball, you you know, you I knew a guy once. I was in the Army Reserves for, you know, and, and, and back in the day. And, I, and it was a friend of mine who was a inveterate better. And, and he carried about his own charts when you couldn't have the information that we have today on the Internet. And he bet on pitchers only. Who's pitching? Nothing else. Who's pitching? That's it. He was a funny guy, though. He rooted for the Reds. And he would not bet on the Reds. Unlike okay. the manager of the Reds, I was say, <laughs> perhaps. Can, can you talk to Pete Rose? He would not bet on the Reds because, of emotionally speaking, he knew he could. But that, Even but if Mario had, Soto was pitching, principles. you wouldn't bet on no, Mario Soto? No, he had principles. Oh. <laughs> That's betting a principle better. It is a strange world. world. I, well, baseball betting, no one understands. A very no. few understand. Yeah. Maybe Bob Newmeyer understands, but Newby. that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> now, in terms of the renaissance period of Boston sports, you write about this a lot. Last 18 years, have been, it's been a rocket ship. We all grew up around here. Sure, you'll, you'll pass for Connecticut. But, Bob, Close enough. we would die. Or you're a New York, New Jersey guy. Yes. Yeah, I, I would have died as a 12-year-old for what we have now. Yeah. These kids are spoiled. They don't understand How that the Red Sox never used it. to finish in first place. If you're 15, you know nothing else. Nothing else. The Patriots started in 2002, the winning, you know, with that, with that uh, Super Bowl. If so if you're 18 or 20, if you're 20, you basically know nothing else. You were five years old when the Patriots started this thing. Correct. So you got to be about 25 to have any remote perspective. But that means you were 10 years old. So you got to be 30 yeah. to have a perspective about what it was like not to be this way. I know. And, and it is the most remarkable run any city has had in the history of American professional sport. Uh, no other city in, in America has uh, won as many as we have in the 21st century. And more important, as Hubie would say, more important, no, no other city has won all four. And right. we've won all four. And, and I, I did a thing on this even two years ago, and I don't think anything's changed. You, I'll, I'll, I'll give the homework assignment to our listeners. Good. Tell me what city is up next that could win all four. No one's on the horizon. We may go very deep into the 21st century yeah. before we get a city to win all four. First of all, a lot of cities only have three. True. You only got a limited number of cities that could win all four to How start with. How about Los with. Angeles? Well, yeah. yeah uh, the, uh, well, see me when the Rams get good. You know? <laughs> this could be the year. All right. Then that would help. Yeah, that would help. And Lebr is LeBron going to the next lead, up yeah. because, lead them to a championship? They have done. Not. they have done the other. Oh, wait a minute. Do you count I mean, Anaheim? Because if you don't count Anaheim, which no, is a separate. Then you've got to go back. The Dodgers haven't won since 88. True. So they could be got the two. year this year. It could be, but I don't say. Yeah. So it's not L it's not LA, because I don't want to can Anaheim either. Okay, interesting. All Speaking right. of Anaheim, Mike okay, Trout. Wait, we have a suggestion from Dave. Oh, Dave, yeah, Dave. as our producer. What, what you about uh, Philly, Bob? Okay, let's see. We got uh, the Flyers, are, but they're, they're not even close right now. Well, yeah, that was. This is a non-hockey zone at Pod Six One Seven. Sorry. The Sixers have a shot. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're an upcoming team, right? But right now, you've got two in the 21st century. Uh, two to go. Uh, the Phillies, Phillies are on ready. the move. The Phillies are improving, but they're not a contender yet. Even Agreed. if they win the division this year, and they may very well yet. do it. Yeah. All right, that's, but that just underscores you're probably right that they're next, and they're not even close. <laughs> no, that's true. They're not even close. Uh, the Celtics, both of you, of course, have covered throughout your careers. 
I read the other day that you, you are the president of the Marcus Smart Fan I am, Club. I am president. <laughs> I, what I, do you do? Can I, can I ask, first of all, what do you do as the president? I mean, is there, are there festivities? Is it an official you know, capacity? I'm, I'm organizing. And, 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 and I'm, I'm do you buy into some, the membership? I mean, how, how does this how I'm does organizing the fan some club activities. Operate? There'll be little buttons. Don't worry. Stay tuned. Bobbleheads? <laughs> are we doing bobbleheads? No, of course. Doesn't okay. he, he doesn't drive you nuts. No, I take him. I accept the work. Does his agent, Happy Walters, drive you nuts? That's his agent, oh. right? Well, they got it done, though. Yeah, they got it done. They did get it done. Which I didn't think they would. But. No, it didn't. It didn't start off very well. But but um, the, the reality set in that the premise that I think the three of us would share is is of maximum value to a team that's already very good. He's a he's a lesser value to a team that isn't very good because of the fact that he's not an offensive you know threat very much. But the things he does are the are the dessert, they're the icing on the cake for a good team to give them that extra edge that they and you're not. And I don't care what anybody says. And I'll, 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 I'm cutting them, rolling up those sleeves. You got those guns <laughs> out. There is nobody like him. Don't give me this guy and that guy in the league. There is nobody quite like him. Nobody in the league. Why do you say that? He's sui generous. Just not. I right, right, look at the, look at the, the categories he leads the league in. For example, he leads the league in most alley oop passes intended for seven foot Greeks intercepted. <laughs> now, now, who else can do that? There's nobody else in that category. And I'm sure I can come up with a few. That's other. a bonus. Yeah, yeah. See, no, no, no. Really, he, he he is the most. He makes more crazy, unmakeable plays than any guy in the league. That now, I will give you. And, and I, I know he can't shoot very well. I said, but I said that I wrote this. If he wants to drop kick this three-pointer every now and then, make him happy because he's going to give you stuff you're not going to get anywhere else. Sure, does he drive you nuts? He drives me nuts. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the best candidate for your fan club <laughs> for right. joining up. But if there are bobbleheads involved, you might convince okay. me. Okay. Yeah, right. bobbleheads would be a big draw for me. Are you as enthused as most about their prospects next year, the Celtics? I'm trying to temper my enthusiasm because I don't usually I usually don't want to get giddy because I. But how can you not be excited? I just, first of all, I'm happy they didn't shake it up. I'm happy that Leonard's not here. I'm happy that Anthony Davis isn't here. I want to put this group together and see what we got. I want to do it. I, I don't want to trade any of my kids. I love my kids. <laughs> I love my I love my ground. Yeah. Right? I love my Tatum. Oh, oh my goodness. You know, you I must love him. You must love oh. him because he's a throwback. Oh my he? God. You know, I can't, you know. So I want to see this thing be put together. Now, Danny has the most enviable challenge of any coach, certainly in the Eastern Conference, which is how am I going to manage all this talent? Because he's got to now, he's got to bring Wazir back to earth. Yep. He's not going to get the minutes he had in the playoffs because here comes Irving. He's got to get um, Marcus Morris. I don't even know if he fits anymore, you know, back to earth because he's not going to get the minutes he used to have now that we got Hayward back. And now I'm guessing that Brown will be a hybrid 2-3 that I can see Brown, I can see the starting lineup being Hayward, Brown, Irving, Tatum, and Horford. And Brown is a big guard. Because, yes. he's a, you know, the positions almost don't matter in, anymore. Take your chances with that group. I mean, I, I, and defensively. Oh. And now he'll come smart off the bench wherever you want him. Uh, and, and Rozier, if, he, if he'll plug in and be happy doing a, you know, a, a reduced role. And Morris. Daniel Tice was a factor. Was. We got Dan and I have no idea what this Wanamaker guy is going to do. I remember him in a pit. So but I haven't I, seen actually. him in nine years. So yeah. I don't know. But... That's a lot of talent. No, I think it's... Oh, did I mention Aaron Baines? You did not mention no. Aaron Baines, who can be maddening at times yeah. as well. But lovably, but in a New Zealand, in a Kiwi kind of way. Or is he Australian? <laughs> I always forget. Is he Australian? I think he's Australian. I think he's Australian. Uh, he's Australian. He's Australian, Australian, I believe. Yeah. I don't mean to talk. Sorry, I'm sorry. I don't want to confuse... German, right? German, right? Tice is German. Tice is German. You know that. No, but yeah, I am really excited, yeah. And I'm trying not to get too excited. And Brad Stevens is as good as advertised, in your opinion? Um, even I mean, better. He's, is he, yeah, I was going to say, he seems like he's a could be a potential difference maker, you know, as well, they get, you know, what, what, what fascinates you know, I, I, I'm curious to see if he gets to the finals. I know we're jumping way ahead <laughs> here, but, you know, he's, he seems like the perfect chess match kind of coach for that situation. What fascinates me is the universal respect he has of, uh, and the rest of the league. I know. I mean, people really buy into this guy. They go, whatever that it is, he's respected. He's, he's found the, the way he, he, he gets his message across without without implying that he's the star. He's not, you know, he, 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 he's, he's authoritative without being overbearing. And he keeps very his teams fine grounded, which is so impressive. Yes. You know, I mean, that's it's in, in this day and age in the NBA, kind of where, where, you know, a lot of money, a lot of times you see players sort of 
driving the conversation and controlling the team, and I don't think I need to allude anymore to who no, you know. Who are you speaking of? Well, no. But I mean, you know, where it's very easy, star players can be the center of attention. He seems to keep everybody grounded, focused, and you know, on the task at hand. And just, I mean, I don't. I'm not sure there was a more impressive coaching job. People may argue than what he did last That's year why. in the wake. Of the Hayward. Interview. That's why the whole thing about the Coach of the Year thing and him not getting any votes yeah. struck such a chord with people. Yes. Even yeah, though I understand that you only get, in, the, in that coach's vote, you vote for one, one person. Play. Yes. And as opposed to the writer's vote, the official vote, we go one, two, three. And we had Rick Carlisle explaining that. You know, and, and also it was done, but, you know, kind of, I want to say, not at the end end of the season, but somewhere in somewhere like, April, towards the end. late March, yeah. It's a flaw in the system, Bob. Well, yeah. yeah, but the point is that that's not the official coach of the year anyway. What do those coaches know? They're yeah, well, the yeah. to the media. They're the ones that know. It's I mean, like I'm, the, not, I'm not a big <laughs> fan of the year-end awards anyway because, it's, you know, I, you, you rule out the playoffs when you do that. I don't know. To me, that seems like such a big part of it. You know, there are injuries that come into play. There are other things, you know, factors that come into play. It seems like always, off, more often than not, arbitrary. Well, the thing is, coach of the year has always been a, in any sport, coach slash manager of the year has always been a dicey one mm -hmm. because it, it's, there's so and many ways to go. A dicey one, too, so many, so many ways to go. And, you know, you, do you take the guy who was supposed to finish fourth and he finishes second? Do you, do you penalize the guy with the best team because he won, even though there's a skill to handling or, you know, managing personnel that some guys have and some guys don't? See Terry Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate great skill of, of Auerbach and Jackson, the two with the most rings, was their ability to to deal with the, the and, and manage the egos and, 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 and keep the talent in line. And other coaches, some people would have interfered, you know, and, and they didn't do it. Hi, I'm Marjorie Claproon's brother John. And I'm Margie's nephew Michael. And I'm Margie's nephew Dave. And I'm Margie's nephew, Jonas. We're here with a special plea today. There's someone who needs your help. The matter is urgent. And it gets worse every day. Marjorie Claproot suffers from ACS. Attention craving syndrome. Every minute of every day. She is desperately trying to get everyone's attention. But you can help. Just listen to her podcast. Margie Claproot saves the world. New episodes posted regularly at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Please listen. We implore you. She needs your attention. And then maybe she'll leave us the alone. Please. 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 Please listen. Politics, family, and fun. Margie Claprood saves the world at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. <laughs> And there was a time on July 27th where football would be a just an afterthought. Wow. Oh, that was about 20 years ago. Now it's Patriots 24-7. Right. It's Belichick versus Brady. Who's upset? Who isn't? Yeah. It's Kraft versus everybody else. The Patriot machine rolls on. Or Do does it? Or does it? Or does it? Do you <laughs> see this as a calamity all season, the drama, the soap opera? I think we're entering the beginning of the rest of our Patriots dynasty lives. It's peaked. I'm not saying they can't win this year. Of course, they can win. But it's over the dominant thing. The dynamics are different uh, it, it, uh, to me. And so I'm resigning myself that, hey, uh, I'll take 17 years, you know? But, yeah, I think, it's, I think the dynamics are different. It's changed. And, and I, who's, to, who's to blame for that? I mean, do you, do you assess blame for that? I mean, you, you know, and I think when you talk about the dynamics of change, you're talking primarily about the dynamics between Coach Belichick and Tom Brady, well, right? Well, the two things have happened concurrently. One is that I don't know what put, look, until Bra Belichick will never dish about the Butler thing, but that, that that's, that's going to haunt them. Spooks people. Yep. Spooks that was everybody. despicable the other day. Dan Shaughnessy did a great job. Yeah, and it it might have been gone on a little too long, but the fact that he attacked him and, ha and, and should have because Belichick needs to answer that question yeah. it's not he, that difficult but he won't and and you know I, I, someday and I didn't look I blew my chance so I'm not going to chastise my, my colleagues I, but someday you pray that someone's going to jump up and say hey Bill it's getting old right it's not just that you're insulting us or, in, or you're condescending to us because people out there don't care about that but you are being condescending and insulting to the damn good fans who have invested Agreed. in this team whether it's financially or emotionally, and you're being an ass, yes. and oh, you are. You could say and that. Stop on it. Six one seven. Yes, you can. And, and stop it. And, yeah. and but who's no one that ever 
had the gumption it's to the do arrogance. That. It's the arrogance. I mean, are I people mean, seeing through it finally? It, it, so anyway, but the di- all right, that's A and B. Tom's, he's weird. He's gotten weird. That's me. Tom's going <laughs> up. Tom's gotten the Michael Jackson to join us somehow, you know? He's, wow, wow, that, that, that is high on the weird scale. Oh, yeah, he's lost us. He's lost us. Uh, he's lost, he's, he's not, he's lost us. I, I think he's lost, stepped away from the whole rest of his fellow athletes. How so, much will that affect his play? Sorry now? How much will it affect his play? Oh, I think that it's not going to affect his play at all uh, this year. I, I expect him to, to play well if he doesn't get hurt, if he doesn't get that, you know, even though he may think that his brain exercises will prevent him from, you know, some of the I, I was there when he got hurt the, the one time he got hurt. And it didn't look Kansas like anything City. at the time yeah. in Kansas City. Hey, that can happen in any given play. And when that happens, he's going to get hurt. And, he's, and, and all his, uh, you know, his hocus pocus with Alec Guerrero ain't going to matter, I can tell you right now. Uh, anyway, no, I expect him to play well. And I do think he's, look at it this way. If he deteriorates, what, about 10% this year, he's still a top five quarterback. If he deteriorates 10 more percent the year after, he's still a top 10 quarterback. At 42. They're in, they're right. in good hands, uh, term, technically. But, but I, I want to know. The, the Garoppolo trade just drives the, me nuts. Who's the left well, tackle? Yeah, but I mean, do you think that's going to come back and haunt Brady yeah, I, I in the sense that, you know, his legacy? Because he will he will take the blame. And nobody's buying, you know, he, his hands were somehow in there and, and not, you know, what well, he wanted. Brady made a Belichick mistake when wanted. he said, I'm going to play another five years. Yeah. And that. Kraft bought in immediately, which he should because Kraft owes a lot to Brady. But that to me like threw son. the whole thing yeah. off. It derailed the whole plan. They had a perfect replacement in Jimmy Garoppolo who might turn into just a better than average quarterback, but he's better than what they have now. And if Brady goes down, they are screwed. Well, you know, in a sense, I kiddingly said that Tom messed everything up by being so good so long and, 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 and coming back with an incredible year last year. And it's unless he goes completely off the cliff, which has been known to happen on occasion to great athletes, I expect him to have a, still a good year. Maybe not an MVP year, but maybe not 4,500 yards, but have a, a good year. But I'm, I'm worried about the bomber thing. I'm, I'm worried. I mean, I mean, I mean, Solder, excuse me. I'm, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about uh, uh, is Sonny Michael going to make up for Deion Lewis. Uh, you know, the, the Edelman thing, the Amendola thing. Uh, you know, who's he going to throw to? And and I'm as huge as big a Gronk fan as anybody, but we all know that every time he runs down the field, <laughs> some cheap shot little DB might go for those knees. Oh, yeah. That's what worries me about Gronk. It's a walking injury. Can, yeah. can we go back to the Brady weirdness thing for a second? <laughs> of, yes. of all the things that have happened, let's say, in the last you know year, 18 months that he's done or said, what, what, what has been the highest on the weirdness scale for you? What has kind of creeped you out the most? What, 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 creeps, what, worry, what, what, what worries you? Well, it was the Jim Gray. It was I paid the fifth with Belichick, number one. But it's just the tenet, the whole, the whole mind, you know, the idea that he, if he honestly thinks that he can reel his way away from concussions, they can reel his way away from the concussions. Does he really believe that? Or is that in the category of Kyrie Irving and the flat earth thing, which I think is a big spoof that he enjoys having people talk about him? Yeah, you don't That's get that another, impression with Brady. You no, don't get the flat earth impression. No, another topic, by the way, is Irving, is that brace yourself. He's always going to be a, 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 a trip, you know, for us. He's a, you know, he, he may very... I think he's gone. I think he's going to the next. Fine. So enjoy this year. Yeah. After Focus this year. on this year. Yeah. I'm not worried about 2021 or 2019. But, 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 you know, winning can do things to people, you know, and a so, good good, a good season can, can, can. But back to your question, that's a good question. I haven't thought about it specifically. For me, it's, it's the totality of the weirdness that he's that he's gone into with the whole Guerrero. Because the Guerrero thing is, is, is cultish. And the loyalty there. And it's, it's cultish. Just, yeah. It is. Cultish. Well, there's got to be something there. Is there something there there? There has to be. I don't know. It? I, it bothers me just from an, uh, an athletic standpoint is, you know, that he's selling this. You know what I mean? That yeah, this, oh, that yeah. this yeah, the is, book you know, and the whole the TV book and Exactly. Exactly. And that he's, you know, here he is this role model and that this is the image and the information yeah. that he's putting out there for fans, for young kids. It's a little I'm guessing the book is not on Bob Ryan's bookshelf. No, the book, the book will not be on Bob Ryan's No, no avocado ice cream for you? No avocado ice cream. No, no, no. That's another thing about Bob. He is a... A bibliophile? Is that the, is no, that the got, correct term? I got books galore. I got, no, what I'm, I love I'm, about Bob is like when you're in the press box before games, you got like seven different newspapers. I remember oh, this spread out. You know? I, is, I read six papers a day as a rule, and uh, as a rule, Monday through Friday. Uh, although I'm, I'm having a very tough 
uh, philosophical war with myself right now about what to do about the New York Daily News. Yes, I was going to I don't know that. if I want to support them and you know in their diminished state because you know, but or I want to say no, this is not acceptable in this diminished state. But so far, I've been buying it this rest of the week. But they're raising the price. You guys are going to raise the price New York Post for the diminished product. Did you notice that this week? New York Post went up. 50 well, cents now. Uh, well, but, I'm a New York Post guy. I, I read, read it every I read Sunday. But right now, the Daily News yesterday had 40 pages, which is news. That's all. Today it had 60. Oh, well, that's that's a little bit of an increase. Is Lupica still there? Michael has not appeared the last couple of days. I meant to ask him what his status is. I'm trying to take a head count. Yeah. Who's left? Yeah, he went with the sports staff open 35 to 9, right? Pat, Pat Leonard's left. Christy Ackert's left. Uh, 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 John Harper. John, no, he's gone. He's gone. Azola is gone. Frank Azola gone. Uh, no, no other communist. Philip Bonnie Tegan. He's Such gone. a shame. Uh, it's, I, I'm trying to get a head count, and I haven't asked Mike where, where his what his status is. And the Boston Herald, of course, is seems like it might be headed in that area. Well, look, all papers. Uh, there's no reason for any paper anywhere to be smug about anything, okay? So, you know, I always laugh when the Herald takes fun of the Globe, the Boring Blood Sheet and all that. And we know how with how tenuous their life support system is, you know, believe me. And, and, and so I don't want to hear about that. Uh, I want them to stay in business because I love papers and I, I, I want the competition and I think it's good for us, the Globe, to have the competition. So I don't never, I never want them out of business. By the way, give props to the Post for having a very nice supporting editorial two days ago about the Daily News. They said, we want to beat them but not this way. No, and that's, that's the way I feel about the Herald. And we certainly don't ever want them going out of business in any way. It doesn't and, look and good. I would it's like to precarious. think they feel the same way about us, although I know how we part us. <laughs> <laughs> that definitively is for sure. Do you still consider Boston a hockey town? I do. Uh, I still think it's a hockey town. I think, uh, but I think it's very evenly split nicely in the winter. The Celtics really had a, such a wonderful playoff run that got more people talking about the Celtics, I think, than at any point since the 86 Celtics, including 08, 08, since 08, in 10 years. Perfect. That was great. All right, that was great. And, and the Bruins had a nice run, in there, and they're in pretty good shape. I still think it's more of a grassroots hockey town, but, but uh, if it's 50-50, that's fine with me. Just curious, well, how would you rank popularity of teams now? I mean, what, 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 oh. is, what is the ranking at this point? Patriots are one. Still, oh, even, even with the Red Sox, oh, the way they are. Okay. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I, I hate to say it because you know I'm a baseball guy, number one, but the Patriots are one. I'm talking like buzz. You know, the, the only the, question the, is are the Red Sox still 1A or are they close to a definite two? But there's no question the Patriots are one. How can you have to be... Uh, You'd have to be really uh, a seam head to not to acknowledge that. And then when the winner comes, I think it's a product of it, it, it goes back and forth. Who's playing better? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. As far as the pantheon of all-time greats, I know you're big on Brady uh, and his stuff off the field, but on the field, is he the best quarterback ever? I, and does the stuff off I the field make it hard to no, appreciate? No, 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 no. The stuff off the field doesn't, doesn't enter into for me at all. Um, it, it, I think this way. If I had to win a game today, I would not take him only because I would want a guy who could help win a game with his legs as well as his arm in the one game context. And that would mean it would come down to John Elway, who I always thought was the, the, the model for me in that regard, and Rodgers because of the legs factor. You know? Uh, but that's so, uh, you know, I still like Elway. If I got to win a game, I, I, he can help me in more huh? ways, frankly. That's all. Now, body of work, Tom Brady's body of work, number one. No, but, I, but there's two different questions. True. I, for me. Wanna, if, so if you want to win a game, you're going John Elway. I got to win a game. But he, he, could, he, he might scramble for that first down. Tom's not doing that. <laughs> wow. No, that, no doubt about that. All right. What have you read lately? What does Bob Ryan recommend? You'll love this one. I just got through reading a wonderful autobiography by Phil Ramone. The great record producer. The Ramones? From making records. No, no, no. Bill <laughs> no, Ramone. Not, the, not Joey Ramone. Not Joey Ramone, right. Bill Ramone. Yes. Someone sent me this book. Oh, you know who sent me the book? Richard Johnson from the Sports Curator. And, and he, he sends me Switch, and it's a wonderful book. This guy goes all the way back to the, to the from rock and roll to great, he was instrumental with Ray Charles, 
Sinatra. I mean, it's, it's incredible body of work, rivaled only by Quincy Jones in terms of the body of work and the producer's book. Um, then I, now I just, I just got through reading, I'm telling you a book for the, for the fall. It's not even out yet. I got the galley proofs. This is the Cousy Russell Gary Pomerantz. Okay. Called The Last Pass. Gary Pomerantz wrote a book about Bob Cousy and Bill Russell. And it's basically about Cousy and his trying to reconcile that he didn't, in his, in his wonderfully emotional way, get his, himself straight with Russell. Personally. Yeah, no, I know they always have problems, right? Well, it, 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 it's a fascinating, and you learn more about Cousy than, and I've known Cousy for 50 plus years since yeah. I went to BC and he was the coach, but I learned stuff that blew my mind. What a job by Gary Pomerant. This is a fabulous book. That's Beyond coming out in fall, September. Called The Last Pence. Can't wait. And now, and, and, and so that's the most recent one. Of, of, I, I, I just got off vacation. When I go on vacation up in Maine, I read you know, it's great. five books. I just started, but it seems to be very good. Undefeated by Mike Stanton. Read that too. By Rocky Marciano. Loved it. Read that. Very good. The Rock. That, Rock had his foibles. <laughs> he did. But uh, no, that was great. I recommend that highly to people. Uh, everybody in Rock is unbeaten. To read that book. Yeah, like it's Stanton, unbeaten. unbeaten about yeah. Rocky Marciano. Yeah. So, uh, but right now I'm in, I just started a book about uh, the biography of, uh, of Greg Lamont. Called, uh, something to do, the title has to do with comeback. It's got Shearer written all over. She's a big Greg LeMond. Well, Daniel, do you know about the book? I do not know about the book. Well, Daniel Devise, D-E capital V-I-S-E, accent aigu. Daniel Devise, <laughs> and I just started it last night. I got about 40 pages in, and uh, this, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to plowing deeper into this book. I didn't know about his background right away. I was like, oh, my God. Did you, uh, did you know about the shooting incident, right? Did we you know haven't about gotten that? to that yet. Okay. But, but, uh, I remember was, uh, that. Child abuse. Yes. Child yeah. abuse. And, and he didn't start out wanting to be a, a, wanting to be a, 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 a cyclist, per se, but he's an outdoors guy. And then he, he gravitated cycle. Anyway, Greg LeMond, who obviously... And we should mention Leslie Visser's book. Oh, yeah. Which I'm, which I'm get going through as well. I picked it oh, up the I other read, day. I read her and book. And you prominently mentioned. Yeah, I read her the book. The Globe is prominently featured as the gold standard for a sports section, and she's right. It's, especially during your heyday yeah. in the 70s and 80s. 80s, 70s, 80s. She was a large part of that, but she did, she did a nice job of the she book. She did a terrific job. Uh, Leslie's special. She's a very special person, and her, her role in the history of American sports writing you know, is going to be framed as a female pioneer, and she's the first woman that got this and that award from the NHL and NFL and everything. But Leslie's a hell of a writer, and, and the book proves it. And, and uh, you know, Leslie's a, a, a good friend for. 45 years. And the person next to you wrote a book you know. Did you know that? Like what? <laughs> you contributed to a book. Oh, we both did. Yes, we both did. We both did. And of course, hers is... No. Her topic is a lot weightier and meatier than mine. Well, go ahead and plug away. What's the book's title? The, the book is um, Upon Further Review, right? Yes, yes. The Greatest What Ifs in Sports History. It was edited by Mike Pesca. It had contributions from 30 sports writers across the yeah. country, including... Yeah. Bob Ryan, who wrote about. Well, and I wrote about what would happen, what would have been if the if Walton didn't get hurt and the Trailblazers stayed healthy. How oh, many championships oh, would they one. have won? And I say minimum of three in a five-year period, easily. That seems about minimum right. of three, and and uh, that that's all. But uh, uh, Sarah recruited me for this book. You did? I, I what? You basically I recruited me. I think. No, I, I wrote indirectly it. anyway. Yes, I, I did recruit. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, Thank I did. I'm still waiting for my free copy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and so you know, I wrote about what would have happened if the U.S. boycotted Hitler's Olympics, and it can't be sort of neatly That's summed up. That's a meaty up. topic. It's a very meaty topic. There's a lot of dominoes that fell into place, <laughs> but suffice it to say, I think the Olympic movement would have been much better off if the U.S. had boycotted because all the excess, all the pageantry, all the craziness and the propaganda, the political propaganda well, that you often see associated with the Olympics, the nationalism, the nationalism. And you know what was insane? Would, 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 would have been much diminished or mitigated or what? approached in a different way. I, I agree. An unbelievable if, if injustice had, in that Olympics, out. which a lot of people probably don't even know about. Marty Glickman was left off. Yes. That team. Right. Yeah. And, one reason only, because he was Jewish. One reason. He was a sprinter. People don't realize he was a sprinter, and, yeah. and uh, he was going to sprint and run, and, and uh, they dropped him off. Yeah, exactly right. And he definitely should have been on, and he wasn't. But so I have to say my favorite story out of those Olympics is to talk about an unknown story, a woman by the name of Betty Robinson, and more should be written about her. 
She was um, in a biplane crash, I believe three or four years before the 36 Olympics, left for dead, had won a gold medal in a previous game, taken to an undertaker, thought she was dead. She woke up at the undertaker's, <laughs> severely fractured, I believe, left leg, left arm, etc. People weren't sure she'd ever be able to run again, and she makes the relay for the 36, wow, the U.S. That, women's relay phenomenal. for the 36 Olympics and wins gold with that relay. So wow. from literally being declared dead to yeah. Olympic gold medal. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good story. That is good yeah, story. that used to be good. Yeah. I thought so. I can't top that one right now, John. Well, what we have to do is transition to a new segment on yes. Meter is Running. Cher Springer, who is a very cerebral person, has come up with a new segment that we are going to debut. Let's, 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 let's backtrack a little bit and say, in a casual conversation between Meter and I, we were thinking, what could we do? And I said, well, why don't we just, you know, kind of talk about what's on our mind? Good idea. And so, Emptying out the desk drawer. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like. Hey, Ryan Stave. Like that. Yeah, kind yeah, of yes. like, what, what's, what's on your, what's on our mind? Something that in the news that caught your attention, an article that caught your Fair attention. Game. Anything is fair game. So I will say what caught my attention in recent days was Ryan Lochte's swimmer, Olympic swimmer, multi-multi-time Olympic swimming medalist Ryan Lochte's. I don't know even how you describe this, but his 14-month suspension for, wasn't even use of an illegal substance. It was overuse of an of an IV drip that he didn't have permission to use. And and how did USADA, the, 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 the policing agency, find out about this? Because he posted it on Instagram. So it's like the ultimate own goal of drug suspensions or drug-related suspensions. What a bonus. Just, I was going to say, just when you think Ryan Lochte can't do anything more stupid than what he did by filing basically a false police report in Rio saying that he was robbed at a gas station, <laughs> you have him Instagramming his way into a 14-month drug suspension. Self-imposed. I mean, the, the, self, basically self-imposed. Self-policed, self-imposed, self-promoted. I, I mean, it just... It boggles the mind, the levels to which this man can do stupid. We thought Michael Phelps had issues. Yes. Yes. Oh, these, God. Oh, God. Welcome to the no. 21st century. You know, the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, that's, that's a good... He's uh, like the poster boy for do not do this for all of U.S. Olympians. I am an idiot. And, and yes, was universally exactly. denounced in the swimming community for being totally stupid. Yes. Yes. Going, by the and way. anybody who's... No support. He's a hot mess. Have you had the pleasure of interviewing Ryan Lochte? No, I didn't. Oh, well, you've missed out because it, it is about as idiotic as you could imagine it would be. <laughs> I'm guessing uh, Harvard was not his uh, safety school. No. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. And I came across, I'm actually one of the few people that still read Sports Illustrated. And I miss it every week, Bob. Like newspapers, I've been a subscriber for 30 years. I love getting it in my mailbox. Every other week it's coming now. Yeah. They still have a very nice stable of writers, including S.L. Price, yes. who's a terrific writer. Steve Russian, by the way, Steve. just did a very nice piece on Lindsey Whalen of the Minnesota Lynx of the WNBA. I know. recommend that. Steve Russian married to Rebecca Lobo. Exactly. So I'm ready to get a couple weeks ago on a plane. Of course, you read Sports Illustrated on a plane. And I come across the S.L. Price story on Kurt Gibson. Oh, yes. And this thing is a blockbuster full of revelations. It's stuff I didn't know, which is always a bonus. Kirk Gibson clearly was a troubled man, was, an, to borrow one of your terms earlier, an asshole. Uh, people dealing in the media could not stand him. Detroit beat writers hated him with a passion. He, he made their lives miserable. He was simply a very bad person. He called a writer at one point. A, an intern comes into the Detroit clubhouse probably in 84 or 85, and he says to her, you know you want to bleep me. That was a direct quote. <laughs> and S.L. Price heard it. Tom Gage heard it. They all didn't write about it. They all filed it away. And he was an enemy as well as he should have been. But now, suddenly, he's this rejuvenated, revitalized person. At the very root of it, he's actually a human. And he understands that he was a miserable guy. He's been dealing with a lot of health problems. He has Parkinson's disease. Dennis Eckersley did a great interview with him a couple of weeks ago on Nesson. And it seems like he's coming around to realize that I was an absolute jerk. And good for him for recognizing that, but he was also a product of that era in baseball, which maybe, I hope it's not still the same case, where there's assholes in every clubhouse. Jim Rice was one, as you know, Bob. 
Steve Fainaru could tell you about uh, that. Yeah, Steve could tell you. Former Boston Globe reporter. It seemed like there was probably three or four in every clubhouse. I didn't know about it, but I was growing up in that area. Does, does the article change your opinion of him at all? That's does what I'm getting it, to, yeah. yes. It does at the end, and that's the genius of S.L. Price. It ties it all together nicely. It's almost you feel sympathetic for Kirk now, even though he was such a bad person. He's come around. He was remarried. His parents were a big role, obviously. He didn't want to disappoint them. They've, they've since passed away. But at the end, he talks about a woman with Parkinson's disease. A guy saw Kirk Gibson in an autograph session, came up to him and says, my mother was a big fan of yours when you won the 1988 World Series. This is in L.A. Will you please call her and uplift her because she has Parkinson's? Kirk says, absolutely. Couldn't reach her, called her twice, left a very heartfelt message and this made the woman's day. So Kirk Gibson hopefully has come around and seen the light, but it tells you how bad baseball players can be and all athletes can be at times. Well, I just have a little bit of a lighter touch, um, and that is simply that in the middle of this baseball summer, and you know, both of you know I love baseball, but I have been captivated by two events that have nothing to do with America, as it turns out, in this point in time. I was uh, completely captivated by the World Cup, and, and so when it was over, I had a week of World Cup withdrawal. And now I'm preparing. Who's your team going in? Who's your team going in? Going in, Iceland. Me too. Yeah, I'm a most, Me too. Got, oh, you got to love the Viking clap, right? I wanted them to win a game at least. And, you know, I just wanted I, to get into past the, the opening round. I wanted them yeah, to get into a, the knockout round. It was such round. a wonderful story. 330,000 people. Now I read up on them and found out why they're good. They're good because they're damn well organized and smart about. It. They took it. They made a virtue out of being small. They can be. That's a lesson for U.S. soccer. They're scrapping. It's a lesson no, for U.S. soccer. No organization, organization. As we said, <laughs> one, you know, one reason they they they're coaching. They take their best coaches and have them coach the ten-year-olds. Is that right? It, rather than what a novel concept. All right. Now, all I don't right. know. Skill but, development, fundamentals. But in a country you know, of 330,000 like people, you that's, know, that's it's a little a, different society. It's right. Amazing achievement. Right. But right can now, can I say the, the best fact about Iceland? They have a dating app because there's so much genetic yeah. closeness that tells you if you're genetically related to it. your Ooh. the person you're considering dating. They have an app because there is so much. Do you not want to date your cousin? Be. Is that yes. what you're saying? I think about that. I, yeah, because, I did because, not know that, but it makes right, sense. Right, it makes complete it makes sense. perfect sense. Right, I'm, now, I'm a, found I am, a lot of I am bracing trivia. myself Interesting. for next Monday morning when Just. I awake on the 30th of July, 2018, yes. and there's no more Tour de France. I love the Tour de France, and I've been it's watching this one. Today's race, this guy ready, racing down the hill. Uh, oh my God. Anyway, they, they, it's not, usually it's a fait accompli at this moment, right? We've got two <laughs> stages left, okay? Yeah. Usually it's an absolute, and, and up to today, they were saying it was a fait accompli that Jillian Thomas of Wales is going to win categorically. Oh, uh, no, 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 monsieur. Not so fast, as Nick Russo would say. No, no, no. Tomorrow's uh, time trial might decide the race on the penultimate stage, which is very, very unusual. Not since our friend Greg LeMond in 1989 won the closest Tour de France in history. So tomorrow is a pivotal day yes. that, that could change. And then usually it's over by, by, without any question on Saturday. Say, and Sunday they ride in ceremonially from like There's never really an answer. Yeah, though. on Sunday. It's usually over. But anyway, this has been a tremendous Tour de France. And it, Are we yet, sure that blood doping is eradicated? That's what I was going to say. This doesn't bother you? That the, the fact that this who's is maybe, a, you know, we, you really don't know who's doping and they're, the writers and the technology is I'm, I'm biomedical not, science. I try is, not to think about this. because How can I'm you not, they, Bob? How can you because, not? Because I'm hoping that they, that, that they're all... They're, they're all kosher or something? They found religion. I'll, I'll, you'll have the floor when I'm done with this. Let me just say. <laughs> okay? Man. So... I'm, I'm enjoying it though. I really love it. And and I, I just had that quick background. I only was there one in 04, which was Lance's sixth out of the seven. I happened to be able to get there and I got a taste of it. I went to Le Grand Bernon, which is outside of Annecy, and 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 got a flavor and you have I have a tremendous French accent. You and Bob Cousin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mona me, come on. Remember when remember when Benoit Benjamin played and he and Santos used to play with Benoit? Yes. Ben, oh, we yes. I'm on me. Right. On Channel so 56. But anyway, I, 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 I've been infatuated. Yes, the doping thing and the Armstrong thing, of course it's horrible. And I understand all that. Anyway, 
I like the Tour de France. Uh, and, and so Monday morning, I'm not going to have the Tour de France, and, and I'm going to be a little bit sad. That's all. And that's, that's an interesting take. I think that's what we were looking for when we thought about this segment. One thing we can say about Bobby is not a xenophobe. Surprises. No, of surprises. There is no xenophobia in this man's bones. international. <laughs> <laughs> and next week we will be doing the podcast in French. <laughs> Boy. We can do it in Hebrew. We can do it in German. Yes. All right, wait. There you go. Pretty good. Meter, may I add one item? Sure. May I play the game too? I came. Play the game, I came. This is a really delving into the obscure, but it leads to a trivia question for Bob Ryan, and here it is: <laughs> What member of the 1987 Red Sox got a World Series ring with the Red Sox in 2004? 87. Bob is thinking. Well, uh, Wakefield. Wakefield is a good guess. Incorrect. Sure. Anyone? Great question. Mr. Ellis Burks. Ellis Burks. Twelve at bats with the Red Sox in 2004. They gave him a ring. Well deserved, right? Felicitation. Good question, Dave. Kill Domage. You can put some money on that one. You don't think of Burks in 2004. I did not remember that. Wow. That's why I came across it uh, the, looking over the roster of 04. And oh, yeah, sure enough, Wake yeah. was gone. Oh, I'm sure Kevin no, Rowe did, was there. there. I think Wakefield was on Pittsburgh in 80s. I can look that up. Oh, he, was, he had yet to oh, arrive in 87. Did no, he didn't come until 95. 95. Yeah, okay. So Thomas Pitcher yeah, no hitter in his what, second start? Yeah, yeah he, went, he went like deep. He went very deep. Oh, I remember. He, went, Anna, he made his debut in Anaheim. We'd go over that one anyway. Oh, yes. Anyway. But oh, yeah. Let me tell you, we could talk to this guy for hours. It could be Bob Ryan part. 187. I think, I think we're going to have to do a part two. Do. I think we need a part two. A deuxième fois. No doubt about it. Bob, always a pleasure. Oh, nice. Thanks for having me, see you, That was man. fun. A lot Great of fun. to see you. And the only man who I've ever met wearing a Catawba Athletics golf shirt. <laughs> the Catawba. Which is a fine school in North Carolina, in Salisbury, North Carolina. That's correct. It's Bob used to be the home up. Well, you've been over the National Sports Media Association for 59 years in, in Salisbury. And now we are located at Winston-Salem. But my shout out to Brian Lewis, the president of Catawba, who was the greatest combination Chinook Tar Heel <laughs> in the world. A, a native of Toronto wow. who was a Tar Heel and, and is equally passionate about his native land, his Maple Leafs, his Blue Jays, and his Tar Heels. He must have been thrilled when Vince Carter was playing in Toronto. <laughs> oh, he was, <laughs> it was ecstatic. That's a great story. Right, Buck, again, great to see you. Best Thank of you, luck. Bob. We can find you everywhere. ESPN, yes, sir, podcast to come in the future again. Yes. Yeah, Boston a, Globe on Sundays. I'm, I'm trying to stay visible, yes. You are. You do a great okay. job. It is, uh, it is a Bob, Bob Maybe Ryan. Maybe another book. It is Bob Not Ryan's Boston podcast on iTunes, right? Yes. Bob Ryan's uh, Boston we're, podcast. We're currently in a bit of recession. We're resuming in September, if all goes well. But I am part of a podcast, Sports Reporters, with Mike Lupica and Mitch Albert. Uh, every it's Monday a, and Friday morning. Listen. Thank you. That's a quite a troika. But the voice you just heard was David Yaz, a producer. Special thanks to Kerry Tabaski, the entire staff here at Fenway Johnny's. John Karen does a tremendous job. This is the pregame, postgame gathering spot. It has a cheers-like feel to it, and it is a phenomenal piece of landscape. Au revoir. Au revoir from 96 <laughs> Brookline <laughs> Avenue. She's Sierra Springer. I'm Jami DePerel. This is The Meter is Running. Remember to check out pod617.com to listen to all new episodes. You can also download us on iTunes. Have a great night, everybody, and thanks for listening. <laughs>